he tells this story. It was during her brother's, her brother's wedding, uh, and, and, and as the wedding was going on, she, she was kind of watching her mom, and her mom was doing really well not losing it, and they kind of, in the family, had joked about uh, at what point mom was going to just break down in, in tears, but she watched, and mom was, was doing real, real well throughout the service until, until partway through the service, uh, uh, the, the mom looked over, and, and her mother, uh, the, the grandmother, Debbie, uh, noticed that the grandmother reached over, and, 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 and her grandfather was in a wheelchair sitting at the edge of the, uh, of the pews, and, and the grandmother just reached over and gently kind of touched his, his hand, and she said her mom lost it. Just that tender, that tender moment, that tender, her reaching over and touch his hand, just all she could take. I mean, she just burst out in tears. I mean, not, not loudly, but she just, I mean, she lost it. And, and uh, so when the, the wedding was over and they were doing pictures and they were sitting around, the, she said her mom went over to her grandmother and shared that story. She said, Mom, I just, just kind of want to explain why, you know, why in that moment I started crying and said, I, I was just sitting there and I watched you, I watched you just gently touch dad's hand and I just, that just moved me and I just lost it. And she said, she said her grandmother said to her, well, I, I don't want to mess your moment up. I don't want to ruin your moment, but I was just checking to make sure you're still alive. <laughs> so this morning, I, I'm going to reach out and touch you and, and I hope it'll be gentle. I hope it'll be a uh, a, a well thought out, uh, gentle moment. But if not, maybe I'm going to nudge you just a little bit to check to see if we're all still alive here this morning. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking in the Gospel of John, uh, actually in chapter four. So, so if you want to go ahead and turn that to John chapter four, um, and, and maybe kind of mark that, put your your um, your bookmark there, and leave it there for the next uh, week, so you can kind of read. We're just going to read a few of the verses, but you can read that whole section and maybe digest it a couple times over the next few weeks just to get a feel for what that, uh, what that says. So we're going to look over the next three weeks, and the challenge will, will simply be this. I'm going to present to you this idea or this challenge. Are we willing to follow the heart of Jesus? Are we willing to try to be like, like, like Jesus? As we look at this text, we'll see who, who Jesus was. We'll see his heart. And, and really the truth is, guys, whether... We realize it or not, I think we realize it, it's just whether we, we embrace it or not, is, is that should be our goal as a church, as Christ followers, as believers, that really should be our ultimate goal to be like Jesus, to, to, have, his, uh, to have his heart. Our, our very name, what we call ourselves Christians, is, is to be like Christ. So our purpose then really should be to simply follow the heart of Jesus. Church, the, I, I believe this last year that God has done some some amazing things, some great things through our church. And, and as we seek Him and as we seek His heart, I believe that He has blessed us. And, and quite honestly, I believe in the future as we move forward that God is going to continue to bless us as, as we seek ways to reach into our community, as we seek ways to impact our, our area and our world to make a, na- uh, make a difference in the name of Jesus, God is going to bless us. I believe that God's going to use us. I-, I think God's going to use Troy Christian Church in some unique ways. Some unique ways. See, we are, we are, God's, we are God's ambassadors. We are His hands and feet. We are, are, are the ones that God is going to use to connect people 
to His love and His compassion. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but our, our community, and really our world, but, but let's just stay a little closer to home with this, our community is full of hurting people. Now, if you don't believe that, just, just for, for, for practical sake, look around you. Now, you may be thinking, well, you know, hey, I'm not hurting. I don't have any problems. I'm not, I'm not messed up. Well, well, if you're not, then glance to your right or to your left or in front or behind you, and I'll guarantee you, you're going to, there's no one behind you guys in the back. Uh, uh, I'm going to guarantee you that there are some messed up, hurting people. Now, the difference for us in the church is that, that we at least realize that, that Jesus is the one that can give us hope, that Jesus is the one that can fix our mess. But the truth is, God is going to use us, His hurting, messed up, broken people, uh, to make a difference in, in our world. So I want you... This morning, uh, I, I want to invite you, um, I, I want to implore you, and, and maybe let me, let me just change it and say it this way, I, I, I want to demand of you that you join in this simple prayer for, for yourself and for the church that God will use us, that God will open our eyes to opportunities to serve Him in powerful ways, be be in prayer. Make that your prayer. If, if nothing else, when you're praying, pray that simple prayer. God, how can, I, how can I follow the heart of Jesus? How can I follow the heart of Jesus and be like him uh, as an individual? And how can we as a church be that way? Uh, as we do this, we're going to try to follow, as we try to follow the heart of, the, uh, of Jesus, this morning we're going to look at one thought. We'll look at three different thoughts over the next three weeks. But, but what we're going to see from John chapter 4 is that Jesus was very relational. Jesus was relational. So let's follow the heart of Jesus. And he was relational. If you have your Bibles, open with me to John chapter 4. I'm going to read. Uh, it'll take a little bit here. Uh, we'll, we'll stop a couple times. But I'm going to read John chapter 4, just the first ten verses. But, but this entire text, this entire story of Jesus' encounter with this lady uh, it encompasses a good part of the chapter. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Now, he was in Judea at the, at the time. Uh, Jared, go ahead and throw up that, that picture that I wanted you to toss up there. He's going to throw up a, 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 an insert there for us. When, when the Lord learned of this, uh, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he, had gone, now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Now, let's stop there for... Uh, for just a, a second, if you, as you look at that map, you can kind of kind of get a sense uh, of what uh, of what the the territory was. Jesus was down in the southern part of Judea, and I realize that's not big. It may be kind of hard for you to notice. Uh, there, there, the bottom circle is Jerusalem, so that's where you see a good part of what happens in the New Testament happened there. Certainly, Jesus' uh, trial, uh, death, and, and resurrection happened there. You look in the middle part; that's Samaria. Sychar is circled off to the side, and up at the very top is Galilee. 
You see the, the body of water up there, the, the Sea of Galilee. A lot of Jesus' ministry happened in Galilee. That's where he called his first disciples. A lot of the stories that we read happened along the Sea of Galilee, in and around that area. So, so just to give you a sense of what we're talking about, Galilee's in the north part, uh, Judea in the southern part, Samaria in, in the middle. Now, you notice what it said there in verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Now, it's pretty obvious, isn't, isn't it? If you're in Judea, if you're down here, and you want to go to Galilee, that you're going to have to go through Samaria. There's no way to get there without doing it. Oh, yes, there is. See, for most people, most people, they chose not to travel through Samaria. I'm going to explain the reasons here in just a second. They, they would actually bypass, cross over the Jordan River and go up the east side and then back across because they didn't want to go through the area of Samaria. They didn't want to be there. Now, now there are a number of reasons. Let me just kind of uh, just give you a couple quick highlights. Uh, the, the area of that, that area was called, uh, the people there were called Samaritans. They were called that, obviously, because it was Samaria, but, but they, were, uh, they were called Samaritans, and, and, and there were some problems between the Jews and the Samaritans. Now, let me just sum it up quickly. There, there were several things that they had issue with. When, when, the Israel, when the northern kingdom was taken in captivity, I'm going to bore you with this, but, but around 700 A.D., uh, they were taken in by, captive to Syria, they sent back several people from like four or five different countries to inhabit the land. Those people ended up intermarrying with some of the Jews that were left. And the truth was they took all the, all the intelligent people they took to Assyria. They left the ones that weren't as sharp. And so they intermarried together and kind of created a different group of people. Uh, so that created a problem. Secondly is they, they worshiped different. They had a different uh, area that they worshiped. They didn't take the... They took the first five laws of the Old Testament, but they threw away the prophets. And, and on top of that, Samaria was, was kind of known as a rough area. So, so if you lived in Judea and Galilee and you got in trouble or you were, you were a malcontent, oftentimes you ended up in Samaria. So, so Samaria wasn't just full of what they would have thought as half-breeds. They, it was also a dangerous place. So, so lots of times you didn't travel through Samaria if you're going from Judea to Galilee, or Galilee back to Judea. But Jesus did. But Jesus did. Most Jews avoided this, but not Jesus. The, the text tells us that, that, that they came into Sychar, and it was about the, the sixth hour. That would have been noon. Uh, their, their time started at six in the morning, so the sixth hour was noon. And, and we know from that text that he, he sent his disciples on into town to buy food. Now, it's kind of interesting to note there that, that he sent all 12. Uh, Why did he do that? Uh, when they prepared for the Passover, he only sent a couple of them. Uh, in the garden, he only separated away, separated away with two or three, or with a couple of them. So, so why did he send all of them? I, I think it was because he knew this event was going to take place and, and this encounter was going to take place and he wanted to do it uh, alone with them. So it's important to note that this woman... Was showed, had shown up at the well to draw water, and it was 12 o'clock due. Now, now we don't know why. I'll be honest. We're just, a, we're just guessing here. But there's a good chance that she showed up at, at noon to gather her water because she knew no one would be there at noon. Uh, it, it, was, uh, it was part of the, the woman's job to gather the water uh, in, in those times. So, so it was the woman's job to go and gather the water for the day and so oftentimes they'd go in the morning, 
and they'd go again in the evening to have the water for cooking and for bathing and, and for, for, for drinking and all of that. So they would go and get the water, and, and they would go in the morning and the evening, and, and as you can imagine, if all the women in the town were going there, it probably was a social event. You showed up, and, and that's where you talked about the, the events of the day. You talked about what was going on. You talked about your kids. You complained about your husband, whatever it might be. They would join the other day, but this lady showed up, not then, Uh, in the morning, but she showed up at noon. See, she was carrying far more than just, she was carrying far more than just her jar for the water. She was carrying with her a lifetime of burdens. She was carrying a lifetime of regrets and shame and failures and disappointments of broken relationships. And quite honestly, she was carrying uh, brokenness in her heart. Let me let me jump over and, and or, or have you look over. I'm not going to read these verses, but, but if you will, look over at verses 16 through 18. And, and we see there uh, Jesus finds out a little bit more about this lady. The, the truth was Jesus already knew uh, about this lady and what was going on. But, but, but Jesus asked her kind of a pointed question that leads her to a point. He, he, as they're talking, Jesus says, well, well what about your husband? And, and the lady responds. And, and she knew probably she was busted right then. She probably was a little nervous. But she responded, well, I don't have a husband. And, and Jesus, well, yeah, I know. You've had five husbands. And the guy you're with now, he's not even your husband. I, I imagine that Jesus shocked her when he pointed out her story. Now, let's stop here for just a second. Uh, Jesus broke down a bunch of barriers. To, to build a relationship with this lady. Let me, let me point out just three of those. Uh, number one, it was, it was not accepted or it was frowned on for him to speak to her because she was a Samaritan. Did, did you see that in the verse? It, it basically said, well, why are you talking to me? I'm a, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Uh, and, and so it was a, a boundary that he broke down to build a relationship with her because because he, a Jew, spoke to a Samaritan. Normally, he would have ignored her uh, and not said a word to her, maybe greeted her, but that would have been all. He, he broke down another barrier because he talked to her and she was a woman. Now, that may sound weird to us, but, but culturally, that was kind of a thing as well, is, is you didn't necessarily talk to someone, to another woman, particularly in that kind of setting. So, so he broke down that barrier to build a relationship. He spoke to this woman. And then thirdly, and this is what must have shocked her when he said, hey, yeah, I know, you've been married five times, and you're, the guy you're with now isn't your husband. You definitely wouldn't talk to someone that, that was living that type of life and struggling that way because of her past. But we see that Jesus broke down those barriers and built that relationship. Now, Jesus doesn't shy away from her past. He certainly points that out. But Jesus ends up in uh, offering her something different than what she came for. Do flip over, if you will, uh, to, uh, uh, to verse 10. Or look at verse 10 with me. Uh, and Jesus answered her, if, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Please catch from this text that Jesus isn't as interested in judging her for her life choices. He's not as interested in judging her for the decisions she's made. 
he pointed it out. He, he, he got it out in the open, so it was, it was there. He made sure that she knew that he knew, but, but he's not interested in judging her for her life choices. He's not interested in pointing out all the baggage that she has in her life. He's not as much interested in telling her all the mistakes that she's made, and she knows those mistakes. He's not as interested in judging her for her life choices as he is in offering her a way out of those life choices. Now, some of you, some of you understand this. You, you, uh, you've come here today and, and you've got some baggage. You've got some hurt. You've got some burdens. You've got some heartache. You've got some mistakes. You, you understand exactly who this woman was. In fact, let's just be honest. If, if we all would be honest with ourselves, we're not really all that much different than her. Maybe, maybe our baggage looks different, but we come with baggage as well. And really what Jesus wanted her to understand is you came here today and you thought you came because of your thirst. You thought you came to get water to quench a thirst. But let me tell you that you've come with a bigger thirst than that. You've come because you need direction in life. Look at your life and look at your failures and realize that I will give you water that will satisfy. I will give you a, a, a satisfaction that will give you meaning and acceptance and, uh, and hope again. We see the heart of Jesus, and Jesus was relational. So, so let, let, let's walk quickly through, through these points here this morning. Jesus, first of all, was willing. He was willing to enter. He was willing to enter in Samaria. Uh, it, it was the quickest way to get from Judea up to, uh, wow. Have you been playing with the, uh, the thing? Wow. Good deal. Hey, I should have done that. Thanks, Jared, for doing that. Uh, now, can you draw? Oh, no. uh, the, the, the quickest way to get from Judea to Galilee was to go through Samaria. So, so that's the way to go. But, but Jesus stepped out of tradition. See, the, the tradition was you didn't do that. You didn't go the short way. Now I'm going to find myself watching this to see if Jared draws something. You, you didn't go the short way. You you went the long way, but Jesus stepped out of tradition. See, tradition says, don't go through Samaria. At all costs, avoid that place. Tradition says, stay away, stay away from those people. Stay instead with people who think like you, people who act like you, people who look like you, people who have the same values as you. Stay with people who see the world just like you see the world. Church can. Can, can I ask you this question this morning? Are, are you, as an individual, are we as a church, are, are we going to Samaria? Or are we staying in our place of tradition? At the North American last uh, summer, Matt Proctor, who's the president of Ozark Christian College, told this story. He said that, that his family had invited a young lady to... Uh, to live in their home. She needed a place to live, so they invited her in. And, and, and this young lady was probably as different as different could be from, from their family. He's the president of a Bible college, as straight-laced as you can get, and this girl was anything but that. She was, uh, she was a, a, a lesbian. She was uh, uh, an atheist, and she had lived a life, or, or, had come from a broken home, and she was messed up and struggled with drugs and alcohol. She was... She was about as far away from what Proctor said his life was 
as you can imagine. And, and so she, they'd invited her and said, said it was interesting at, at, at uh, supper. So they'd sit around the table and they would join hands and pray. And said, this girl would just sit there like, what are you doing? Said, it, was, it, was, it was really interesting to watch her. But he said she had an opportunity to get a job, I believe it was in St. Louis, and, and the car that she drove was a wreck and the tires were bald. So, so he thought, you know what, I'm going to do something nice for her. I'm going to take her car and I'm going to get new tires put on. So he said, I, one Saturday morning, I, I got in her car and I drove it to Walmart. And, and I'm driving to Walmart, and as, I, as I'm driving there, I see a couple people. He said, I see a couple people I know, and I wave at them. Didn't know if they recognized who he was because he was in the wrong car, but I wave at him. He said, as I pulled in the parking lot at Walmart and started to go back to the, the tire center, suddenly it hit me what I was driving. He said, I'm driving this girl's car, and on the back of the car, she has all these bumper stickers. She's got one bumper sticker that says Planned Parenthood and Proctor who you know, is unashamedly pro-life, you know, it was like, oh, and then there was a, uh, it was a few years ago, uh, so, so there's a big sticker that said, vote for Hillary, and, you know, he probably wasn't going to vote for her, and there was, there, there, there was an, uh, another s- sticker uh, that, that had, uh, you maybe seen those, you know, we Christians will put a Nick Thuce, the, the sign of a fish on the car, but she had the sign of the fish with with a bigger fist that said Darwin, eating the ichthus, if you've seen one of those, it had one of those on there. And he said for a second, it hit him. He's like, oh, man, what if other people see me? What if those people I waved at realized who I was? I'm, I'm a Bible college professor. What, what if a student sees me driving this car? They wave and they, I drive by and I've got a Planned Parenthood sticker on the back of my car. What, what if I see some of the, the, uh, the trustees for the college and, and, and they wave at me? What if... What if there's a, one, of the, one of the people from a local church that's working at Walmart when I pull up with this car? And he said, said I, I was overcome with, oh, man, this could be bad. When, when he said, suddenly I felt convicted, and the Spirit just convicted me. And he said to me, you know, Matt, why are you worried about the 99? Why are you worried about what the church thinks? Why are you worried about what the students or local pastors or or, or trustees, why are you worried more about what they think than about this one lost girl? See, we, we sometimes get, uh, get stuck in tradition. J- Jesus could have followed tradition. No one would have cared if, if he went up the other side and bypassed Samaria, but, but he didn't see... See, Jesus stepped out of tradition. We need to step out of trepidation. Just figure out how to spell that. I'm not really sure if I got it spelled right in my notes. He, he stepped out of trepidation. In other words, he stepped out of fear. Or we have to step out of fear. If we're going to go to Samaria, it creates problems for us. It creates problems. Because see, if we stay in our tradition, it's safe. See, it's, it's safe to stay where we are. And not go to Samaria. What Kalstad in his book says, the church is about nothing at all if it's not about relationships. Relationships, first of all, with God and our relationship with each other. He goes on to say this, love, justice, compassion, caring, kindness, sacrifice, service. These are not nice ideas to be thought about in the safety of solitude. In other words, these aren't things for us to just talk about in church. These, these aren't topics for our Sunday school classes. Oh, oh they are, but they're not, they, they don't belong just, just there. They are the very substance of life lived out in risky, messy, 
glorious gift of relationships. We, we like to go to church and sing a couple songs and listen to a sermon that maybe sometimes a little too long. Okay, maybe most weeks, all right, every week is a little too long. And, and then go home feeling good about ourselves. We like it because it's safe. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus liked to get knee-deep into messy lives that were anything but safe. Are you willing, are you willing to go to Samaria? See, see, we like to stay in our traditions because they're easy. If we do things like we've always done, it's easy. We don't have to risk failure. We don't have to risk disappointment. We don't have to risk our time, our energy. We don't have to, have to risk giving of ourselves. We can stay in our tradition and do what we've always done and bypass Samaria. But Jesus didn't. Let me just say, I throw this out just as a quick illustration. I hope you... I hope you've realized that over this last year or better. You know, we have a group in our church, a group of ladies that have gone to Samaria. A group of ladies that have invested their time and their energy and their passion. A group of ladies that have, have risk, have opened themselves up for disappointment, have opened themselves up to be overwhelmed, which at times they have. When they opened up a, a little over a year ago, Caden's closet, or I guess it's been a year. Has it been a year, Dana? I kind of lose. Hasn't. Has okay. Uh, opened up Caden's, Caden's closet to to go to Samaria. I mean, some some of the people we help are are wonderful people, but there's some people that we've helped that have messy lives. Certainly, the kids that are that are receiving the the benefit of Caden's closet are are broken and hurting and messed up and struggling. And yet we've had some people that have stepped up, some ladies that have stepped up and say, you know what, it's not easy and it's not what we've always done and it's a whole lot of extra work. They've literally handled thousands of pounds of clothes and, and shoes and, and uh, all kinds of stuff uh, and, and gone to Samaria. It's not easy. Uh, and it's, it's not known. See, see, that's one of the problems is we don't, when we go to Samaria, we step out of what we know, what we're familiar with, and, and then we have to trust. Look, look with me there in chapter 4, down at verse 27. Uh, Jesus had been talking to this lady by her, uh, just the two of them. Verse 27, the disciples come back. Uh, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one, but no one asked. So, so it probably was written all over their face, and Jesus who kind of was God's son, uh, I think he kind of could read mine, so he knew exactly what they were thinking. Uh, no one asked, but this is exactly what was on their hearts. What do you want, or why are you talking with her? See, see, they were looking at it like, Jesus, this we don't do this. Now, now you want to go through Samaria, okay, I get it. it. We'll get there to Galilee a lot quicker. It's an easier route. There's 12, 13 of us, so, so we don't have to worry about getting robbed, but but we don't stop and talk to women at a well. We just don't do that. It's not known. So, so church, when we step, we, when we uh, are willing to enter, as Jesus did, enter uh, Samaria, it's going to leave us. It's going to leave us with a challenge. Now, let me, let me just toss this out. I, I don't know where our Samaria is. 
we've been trying to find it. We've been getting there a couple places. But church, will you pray with me? Will you, will you have an open heart with me? God, show us Samaria. Whether that's an individual relationship or a ministry we can offer or a service we can provide, show us Samaria. See, Jesus openly engaged. And, and that's why he ended up in Samaria, really. He, he ended up in Samaria because he was looking for opportunities. I, I, he knew what was going to happen there. He knew who he was going to see. Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose Driven Church, a lot of you probably have The Purpose Driven Life, but he has another book called Purpose Driven Church, says this, I've learned that most people can't hear until they have first been heard. Did, did you catch that? Most people can't hear until they've first been heard. We, tradition as a church is we tell people what they need to be doing. We tell them what they need to be thinking. We tell them what they need to be changing. Uh, Warren says, and I think rightly there, they, they don't really hear us till they've been heard themselves. People don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Steve Sorgan in his book, Conspiracy of Kindness, says, uh, and he started off by, in this section by quoting John 13, 35, by this, all men will know you're my disciples, you have love for one another. He says, this love must spill over the walls of our churches and out into our community in significant ways if we're going to make a lasting impact. Now catch this, it seems people don't necessarily remember what they're told about God's love, but they never forget what they've experienced of God's love. See, we have to look for opportunities, and then we have to live for opportunities. See, not just look, but let that be part of our life. We have to be willing. We have to be willing, willing to go to Samaria. Uh, a guy named Brandon Hatmaker has written a book called A Mile Wide, and he tells, tells this story. He said he, he found himself on a 737 on a flight headed to Ethiopia. And he was very uncomfortable. He was going there because a friend had invited him. His friend Steve Fitch had uh, had a ministry called Eden Project and, and had invited him to come along. And, and he said, uh, Brandon said, I, I was very uncomfortable. And, and as the plane took off, I'm, I'm sitting in that, my seat. And, and said, I began to pray, God, give me a better attitude. Because he said, I'm on that flight getting ready to fly across the ocean and spend... 10, 10 days in Ethiopia, and I don't want to be there. In fact, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking this is a waste of my time and a waste of my money. And, and so he said, I'm sitting there literally praying, God, give me something. Show me some way that what I'm doing makes a difference. Because what he was going to do when he was in Ethiopia was this. He was going to plant trees. And, and he said, I was struggling with this concept, this idea. How can planting trees have anything to do with the gospel. Because he was all about spreading God's word. And, and he said, I, I was just struggling with putting those two thoughts together. And so, so he said, I literally had my, my head bowed, and I'm praying, God, give me, give me some clarity. You know, help me line up here. And he said, I, I finished my prayer, and I opened my eyes, and there was a, a black man standing uh, uh, right at my seat. He said, I just assumed, correctly so, that he was an Ethiopian flying back to his home country. And the man in, in fairly, fairly good English uh, tapped him on the shoulder and, and said, so, so why, are you, why are you flying to Ethiopia? And the hat maker says, I thought for a while, what do I say? 
you know, it sounds stupid to plant trees, you know. And he said, I, I, I tried to think of something good to say, and finally he said, I couldn't think of anything, so I, I just said, I'm going to plant trees. And about that time, the, the, there was a lady across the aisle that was next to the guy, and she said something in the, their, their native tongue. He said, I certainly didn't understand it. Said something to him, and he began to talk to her. And, and as soon as he talked to her, this lady let out a yell and a, a well and started crying and just, just sobbing. And, and he thought, what in the world is going on? So he said, said, said so what's happening? He said, well, she asked me what you said. And Hatmaker says, I, I, I said, well, what did you tell her? And he said, I told her you're going to plant trees. And he thought, man, I have, I'm, we've not even barely got off the ground, and I've somehow offended this Ethiopian lady. Had no idea how Plenty Tree was offending her, but, but I've really blown it. And, and, and when she started to calm down just a little bit, he asked the guy, he said, kind of with, with a little bit of trepidation, he said, well, why is she upset? Why, why is she crying? Why is she wailing? He said, he said you don't understand. My, my mother has been praying for 38 years that God would forgive our country. See, Ethiopia had, uh, had, had cut trees down and deforced the, their land and, and caused so, so much scarring to the, the literal land, which was why they were going to plant the trees to begin with. And she says, for 38 years, I've been praying that God would forgive our country and that he would send someone to plant trees. Uh, man, we don't know where our Samaria is. But if we live for those opportunities and we're willing and we're open and we're bold, God will show them to us. And, and let's look just, just quick at this last point. Jesus, Jesus unashamedly envisioned. He envisioned what this woman could, be, could become. Look with me in chapter 4 uh, over in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days and became, and because of his words, many more became believers. Jesus envisioned what this woman could become. She came to the well that morning carrying a jar, but, but really carrying baggage, carrying heartache and failure, and discouragement. She, she carried all of her, her past sin, all the judgment from her community. But Jesus didn't see that. He envisioned what she could become. That this lady could become an evangelist. Who would have thought that she, with all of her failure and all of her past and all that garbage, could convert someone, and yet Jesus envisioned that. He envisioned what sheep could become. And, and so we need to envision what we can believe about ourselves, about ourselves, and about our church. Church, where is, who is our Samaria? And are, are you willing to follow the heart of Jesus? Are you willing to follow the heart of Jesus and enter into relationship to make that happen? Some of you might remember, the, my, my age and older, remember the, the gentleman named Andrew Young. Andrew Young 
was uh, probably most notably known as the, the mayor of Atlanta. Uh, he went on to become an ambassador for the United States on the world scene. Uh, he, he was a, uh, an ordained uh, minister in the United Church of Christ, and, and, and he would have described himself this way, that his identity was anchored in the notion that Christian service was the most important thing he could do with his life. He tells the story. He tells the story about his oldest daughter. Said, uh, said one day she, um, uh, or, or once, once she got out of the home, said she became very active in her, her home church, and, 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 and he was excited about that. But he said one day she announced to him that she had decided to join a ministry of Habitat for Humanity and build homes for the poorest in the country of Uganda. Uh, Andrew Young says, I, I tried to talk her out of it because Uganda at that time was, was just a few years past the, the fall of Idi Amin and, and it was a violent country and, and very unstable. And he said, I tried to talk her out of it. He said, 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 I wanted her to go to church and I wanted her to find a nice Christian man to marry and I wanted her to develop a relationship with God. But, but he said this, believe me, I didn't have anything like this in mind. I didn't intend for her to take it that seriously. Of course, he realized the, the error of his way and the fallacy of his thinking that God calls all of us. God calls all of us to go to our Samaria. This morning, my prayer, one that I ask you to join with me in, is that God will show us, that God will show us our Samaria will show us where we need to go to build our relationships. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you this morning that you trust us enough to be your ambassadors. You took a, a lady that no one else wanted to be around. You took a lady that everyone laughed at, a, a lady that everyone looked down upon, and Father, you made her into a, a, an evangelist for you. Father, you, you have for us, you've envisioned for us opportunities to impact our community and impact our area and impact our world if we're simply willing to follow the heart of Jesus and be like him and risk, risk ourselves and risk failure to build relationships. Father, help us have the heart of Jesus. Amen. If you're here this morning, maybe you're you're wondering what your Samaria is and you, you, you need to connect it and tune into that and would like to come and, and talk about that or be prayed for about that, I would encourage you to come. If you're here, you have any other decision, would, as, as we stand and sing, would you come uh, and meet us here in the morning?